Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo. And right now and today, you are listening on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Welcome into another great show. I got some bad news for you. I do not believe I'm going to chat about the Davis Cup today. Some things have changed. Some things have happened. And we're going to get to that down the road because that's not happening for a while now. We can hang out and wait to talk about that for a while. There's no real hurry to talk about the Davis Cup when it's not necessarily happening right now, but I will say, I'm going to get this out of the way, teams have been announced, most of them, if not all of them, have been announced for the Davis Cup, and I think you're going to want to grab some popcorn, because I think it's going to be an unbelievable few days at the Davis Cup. Uh, Team Russia, really good. Team US, pretty good. Team Italy, wow. There's some big names in this year's tournament, and I think, I think, I think you're going to want to pay attention to that. The Davis Cup starts on November 25th. It's right around Thanksgiving, goes till December 5th. You guys can wait. I'm going to I'm gonna wait to talk about that until there's not a whole lot going on, because there is a lot going on right now in the world of tennis and in the world of the ATP Tour. Let's start in Vienna. Vienna tournament's always good tournaments at ATP 500, and it always gets really, really good names. Uh, that's in v- Vienna, Austria. For those of you who don't know, um, but it always gets really, really good names, and I think this tournament had great names. Remember that first round matchup? It was Sitsipas and uh, Dimitrov. That was good. I talked about this all last week. Schwartzman was in the tournament. FAA, uh, Alexander Zverev, Damon Neuer, Alcaraz, Sinner, Opelka, um, Sinago, Harris, Rude. I mean, I'm riddling off names now. But let's fast forward to you know the round of eight. The quarterfinals. Um, in the quarterfinals, actually, I'm going to get one round before that, Francis Diafo qualified for this tournament. He beat Stefano Tsitsipas in the round of 16. Tiafo, listen to who Tiafo. okay, spoiler alert, Tiafo makes it to the finals in this. Listen to who he beats on his way to the finals. You ready? I don't think you're ready. He beats Tsitsipas in the second round. In the third round, he beats Diego Schwartzman, the number eight seed. So he beats the number one seed, number eight seed, and then he beats the number seven seed, Yannick Sinner, to make it to the finals. Francis Tiafo makes a great run at the U.S. Open, comes into this tournament. He's He's been playing well lately. I think he, he just got a big boost of his confidence when he played at the U.S. Open. When he was able to do that, and I think he talked about the U.S. Open, when those guys aren't playing in this tournament, and those guys being the top three, it opens the door for a lot of these other players because they know they're not going to run into a literally a brick wall in any of those earlier rounds or even in the later rounds. When you see Djokovic, you play him in the third round if you both win. If you see Rafa or Roger, you play them in the first four rounds somewhere. I don't want to say it brings you down, but it's hard on the confidence when... You got the goats of the sport, literally all three goats still playing great tennis, and you have to play them, and you're going to get kicked out of a Grand Slam. It's hard hard to be that way, I think. It's like like playing the dream team in basketball um, in the Olympics, except at many tournaments, the dream team's there. Like, literally, that's what it's like. And it's got to be demoralizing. It's got to be really hard to focus. It's got to be, you know, it just got to suck. You just can't get over that hump. But they weren't at the U.S. Open. The U.S. Open had a chance to give it to someone else, right? I mean, the U.S. Open had Djokovic, 
But that's it. He's at the very top of the bracket. That gives a chance for so many other people to to win matches and make it far in the tournament and get a confidence boost. And that's what I talked about after the U.S. Open. And that's what I'm still talking about now because that's a booster for Francis Tiafo. And next thing you know, Francis Tiafo makes the finals in Vienna. He faces Alexander Sferov. Now, he loses to Sferov in straight sets, but it's 7-5-6-4. Not a big loss to Sferov, but you can't diminish who he lost in or who he beat in that tournament. Beat Schwartzman, beat Sinner, and the number one seed, Sitsipas. Now, Alcaraz beat Matteo Berrettini. Massive win for Alcaraz. And I think, yeah, Sinner beat Rude. Big win for him because Rude is the number, was the number four seed who's ranked above him. And Sinner is trying to get to Turin. So, or Turin, I think they announced it in Italy, um, which is the Nito ATP Finals. So, this tournament always lives up to the hype, I think. Vienna is always a good tournament. I think a lot of players look forward to it. And that's why the field is so good for an ATP 500. And there was a lot of good names in this tournament, a lot of good talent. And ever since U.S. Open, really, there hasn't been a tournament. I guess there was Indian Wells. But other than that, there hasn't been really a tournament to put some of these younger guys against those big those big dogs. In this tournament, they did that. So getting out of Vienna, well, Alexander Sverev wins Vienna. He's so good. Um, that's some positive news for Sverev. There's been a lot of negative news surrounding Sverev in the tennis media world, in the tennis world in general. But some positive news, he wins Vienna. Let's move on to St. Petersburg, because I think St. Petersburg was a bigger surprise, especially for me. ATP 250, traditionally not the biggest names at St. Petersburg, just because it is an ATP 250, literally happening at the same time as Vienna, which is a 500. Now, if you remember, last week I talked about how I expected uh, Andre Rublev to have a big tournament here because, you know, he didn't have a great tournament the week before. It's in his home, you know, it's in his home country. And I expect Rublev, Rublev and Karatsev to really turn up in this tournament, if you would say. Uh, Hachinov was also in this tournament. You look at Rublev's the one, Rublev's the one seed. Hachinov was the six seed and Karatsev would have been the four seed. So all three Russians that I would expect to do very well in this tournament are very big seeds, right? I would expect that. I would expect them to do very well. Well, uh, they didn't. Uh, spoiler alert, they didn't do great. Uh, Rublev lost to that Van de Zanskulp, who I think I think that was the guy that was a qualifier who had a really, really good U.S. Open. So Rublev was out in the uh, quarterfinals. Karatsev lost to John Millman, which... 6-3, 6-2 he lost. I don't know how that happens, to be honest, because, I mean, it's tennis. That's why you play the game, but very, very surprising. And Hachinov loses to the unseated Marin Cilic, who we'll get to in a second. But the other disappointments in this, now, I don't want to say super disappointed in the Russians because I know there's a lot going on and there's some things happening. Um, but I was surprised that Shapo lost to Struff. I really was because... Uh, Shapo's the two seed. He lost to Struff, 6-4, 6-3. Not really a close match, it sounds like. And it's just, I like I said last week, I'm just waiting for him to hop over this, you know, this hump or this uh, valley that he's in. I'm just waiting for him to really turn up and to really be a solid player on the tour. Like, he's so good. He has such a big upside. But I'm just afraid that there's, like, as much upside as there is, sometimes he just can't perform. And I think it comes down to some of these tournaments like this. I mean, he went through a spree where he lost in the first round like so many times in a row earlier this year. It was just like 250s and 500s. He just lost, 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 right? And it's just hard. It's it's hard to watch because you like the guy so much. You like the kid, but he just 
sometimes just can't perform. Uh, Taylor Fritz, great tournament. He beat Tommy Paul, then he beats John Millman, um, and then he beats uh, Struff, and he makes the finals. He plays Marin Cilic in the finals, who Cilic, you know, was lucky that he didn't have to play Rublev, but nevertheless plays Marin Cilic in the finals. And Fritz almost wins this. He loses in a first set tiebreaker, or he loses in the first set tiebreaker, wins the second set 6-4, and then loses the third decider 6-4. But Marin Cilic, God, it's good to see that guy win on the tour again, huh? He's age 33. He's been pro since 2005. And he's ranked number 28 in the world, unseated in this tournament, comes back and wins. Awesome to see. Literally awesome to see because Marin Cilic, Hasn't been playing great as of late. That's his second title, however, in 2021. But he hasn't won a title since 2018. But uh, he can play. Like, this dude can ball out, literally. Uh, He won the U.S. Open in 2014. uh, And he's won a few tournaments since then. Won one in 2015, two in 16, one in 17, one in 18. Hasn't won since then. This year he won Stuttgart on a grass court, and then he wins St. Petersburg. Good to see these some of these older guys in this sport not always get overshadowed by this next gen because, and I, when I say older guys, I don't mean the big three or Andy Murray or any of those guys. I'm talking about, you know, Nisha Corey. I'm talking about Marin Cilic, Verdasco, uh, Sanga, people like that, right? It's good to see them still have good success. Isner, um, it's good to see them still have good success on the tour, and I think it's really good for the sport to still have those guys playing at a high level, especially on this tour. But to be honest, little shocked that Chilich won this tournament. I really thought it was going to be, you know, you look at the names of Rublev or Shapo or Karatsev or, you know, even any of these other guys in this tournament. Uh, and if they weren't going to win it, I thought it'd be someone younger. But Marin Chilich strives back to win this tournament. Um, St. Petersburg, done. Vienna, done. What's next? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's a Rolex Paris Masters. Now, this is a Masters 1000, and I think this is a tournament that a ton, a ton of people like. Now, the Rolex Paris Masters is one of the top tournaments. It's right in Paris, obviously, from its name. Now, let's look at who's this, who's in this tournament, what this draw entails. Now, I'm going to do a full disclosure. I'm looking at this bracket. I found this bracket on their website, and it's in French. And somehow, I don't know French. I clicked the right buttons. I got to the draw. Um, let's look at who's in this tournament. Top seeded players, the number one seed, Djokovic. Number two, Medvedev. Three, Tsitsipas. Four, Zverev. Five is Rublev. Number six is Rude. Number seven is Herkach. Number eight is Sinner. Hmm. Number nine is Ogier Aliassime. And number 10 is Cam Nori. Uh, yeah, who would I expect to play good in this tournament? All of those people, but who really? Uh, Djokovic. He hasn't really played since uh, the U.S. Open loss, and I think there was a big weight off his shoulders after that. And I think now is the time for him to really, you know, gear up and get it going ahead of the Nito ATP Finals. And I think this is a perfect opportunity for him to do that. It's in this Paris tournament, which I think a lot of people are massive fans of. A lot of players are because it's in such a big city. It's such a predominant tournament. And it's a Masters 1000, so I think it's time for them to get a lot of points, play a lot of good players, and really gear up for the end of the season swing, which is not too far away. You look at what's around the corner, you got to look at you know the Nito ATP Finals, which is in November, which is technically this month now. At the end of this month of November, then you got the Davis Cup, and then it pretty much calms down. So this is the last real push 
um, before the end of the season. And then obviously the Australian Open jumps up in January and everything with that. ATP Cup, I believe, is also at that time. But this is the last real end-of-the-year push. And so I would expect all the big players to start playing well again. That's Djokovic. That's, you know, Sverev is playing well. But that's Djokovic and uh, Medvedev and Rublev and Berrettini and really all those guys. And I think this is a time for them to really go like gas on the pedal pedal on the gas however you say it foot on the pedal to give it gas that's what i'm trying to say but really but really it's time for them to get going and i think this is the perfect opportunity for them other big names in this tournament you look at bash bashlash villa was in this tournament uh monfis cam nori uh nori coming off that big masters 1000 win in indian wells at the bnp Paribas open you look at felix ogier aliasim andy murray what a dominant performance he's had lately uh hubie hercotch casper rude and uh, Dimitrov, Schwartzman, Zverev, Sinner, Karatsev, Karina Busta, Medvedev. I could go through this whole list. A lot of big name. Franz Diafo uh, playing in this tournament after especially he had a big run in Vienna. But you look, the most important part about this tournament really is the race to the Nita ATP Finals. Sinner's right in that race. Hercoc and Ruud are both right in that race. And this is the, they need these points. Like they legit need to play really, really well in this tournament. And who uh, Sinner could run into Medvedev, uh, Zverev could run into Rude, and Tsitsipas could run into Hercoc. So these are these three guys are really going to be the ones to watch in the massive, massive, massive race to Turin. And Daniil Medvedev was also actually interviewed about the Nito ATP Finals and the race to get to Turin, and. They asked, do you watch this race? What do you think about this race? Do you look at it to see your play? And he goes, no, I just think it's – I watch it because it's legit interesting. Who's going to make it? Is it going to be rude? Is it going to – you know, is it going to be all these guys? And he's like, I'm just like – it's interesting to watch as a fan and uh, as a player and as a fan. It's really cool to see these guys actually really engaged in this. And it is such a predominantly um, – massive end-of-the-year series, and it's a really big deal, I think, for a lot of players. Now, this is a perfect transition out of the Rolex Paris Masters into something else I want to talk about, and that was the new show, uh, Marty Fish. I think it's called or Breaking Point about Marty Fish uh, that's on Netflix. Unbelievable show. Uh, I thought I knew tennis. That opened up a whole new door for me to learn so much more about professional tennis and just the world of tennis in general. Marty Fish, let me tell you a little bit about it. This I can't say enough good things about this documentary. It breaks down the friendship and you know the lifelong friendly rivalry that uh, Andy Roddick and Marty Fish had, and then when they came together at the end. But it really breaks down the mental part of Marty Fish's game and what kind of all led to his you know mental breakdown and him not having to play Roger Federer at the U.S. Open and the pressure of being number one American and all of that. It and it really breaks down the mental part of the sport of tennis and it's really really interesting and it really dives deep into literally everything that was going on in American tennis at the time and the pressure that him and Roddick were under you know following guys like Sampras and following guys like uh, John McEnroe and you know Jim Courier and all of them right just the pressure that they had to be great tennis players especially here in America and uh I, I can't. I just can't say enough good things about it, and it really um, kind of opens up the door to what Naomi Osaka went through this year, and it couldn't have came out at a better time, uh, especially with mental health and sports is such a big deal for him to be where he's at and share his story about what he endured as a player. Phenomenal. Great stuff. Um, 
obviously what he went through not great, but the way he, the story's told and how open and raw and uh, genuine the interviews are and the whole story is told is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I highly recommend Breaking Point is what it's called. Uh, last thing I want to do here, I don't want to keep you too much longer because, uh, I mean, there's really nothing much left to talk about and there's a few things I want to sh- wait till next week. Obviously, Davis Cup will talk about more in this month of November. And there's some other things, especially they're not really relevant now, but they'll happen towards the end of the year. And then we can get to them at that point when they become a big deal because there's no reason in really talking about a lot of things right now. If they're not really going to happen, I want to talk. I want to get to the rankings. Right now, the rankings and men's singles, it goes in order this. Djokovic at one, Medvedev at two, Tsitsipas at three, Zverev at four, Rafa at five, Rublev at six, Bertini at seven, Kasper Ruud is at eight, Sinner is at nine, and Hercotch is at ten. That's how close this whole race is. Now, whoever has a big tournament really here at the Rolex Paris Masters, and then there's a few other tournaments after that, it is an absolute race to get to the ATP finals, and it's going to be tight. You look at Sinner, Hercotch, and Rude. It's literally up to them, and in in uh, Marty Fish's documentary, he talks about how important it is to get to that final tournament. That's where that transition was going, uh, how important it is to get to that final tournament and what it means to players to play in the Nito ATP finals, and this year it is in Turin, Italy. Um, that's all I'm really going to talk about this week. I appreciate you for listening. Uh, there was a lot to break down there, especially at the end. And uh, I can't wait to run this back next week, talk a little bit more about that Masters 1000 that is happening right now in Paris. And can't thank you enough for listening to this podcast. Uh, I really appreciate doing it. I kind of had a uh, moment to myself this week thinking, man, I get to talk tennis so much. And I actually had someone, one of my friends say, hey, I really appreciate all the uh, tennis content you toss out there. And uh, it means a lot. It really does. Uh, I engulf myself in the sport of tennis and the world of tennis um, mostly just because I like it. And to be able to share it with people, um, whether it be on this platform, on Twitter, or just in the everyday people I get to talk to, um, get to share knowledge, learn new knowledge, and just engage in the sport of tennis, uh, absolute blessing. And I'm so happy I get to do it on a weekly basis here, on a daily basis in the real world. So I can't thank you enough for listening. And I really, really do appreciate the support of you and Believe and everyone that is in my corner. I just got real candid with you, but I... Something had to be said, and I really do appreciate it. Um, thanks for listening. You reach out to me at Jacob Sersosimo, obviously, at Believe, at Believe, at Believe Podcasts, both on Instagram and Twitter. I appreciate you for listening this long for sure. It's one of my longer episodes. Watch some tennis this week. A lot of good things happening in Paris. We'll catch you on the flip side. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.